Nirvana. I keep showing up for the wrong podcast. I thought this was like a yoga thing. No, dude, this is your favorite band sucks. We're not going to do meditation? No meditation. I wanted to reach Nirvana. There may be a podcast up from us or below us in the listing where you can do that. I need a rich person in Silicon Valley to tell me how to reach bliss consciousness. Do you think if you achieve Nirvana that it sounds anything like Nirvana's music? That's a great question. I hope not. Wouldn't you be pissed off? Imagine how hard you'd have to work to oh. get there. And then you do. Yeah. Some guy screaming rape me in your face. Rape me. Just in your face. I worked years through meditation and self-reflection. Kind of hoping for like the opposite of this, I think. Yeah. I was hoping this is going to be like a quiet place. Do you have any Enya? Is there a refund? Okay. So in a 2005 poll by the BBC, Nevermind was voted the number one most overrated album in the history of the world. Holy shit. If you're still listening to Nirvana because you think that everyone still does, you're fucking wrong. In 2013, Rolling Stone magazine asked their readers to say who they thought were the worst band of the 90s. There were four bands that got more votes than Nirvana. Would you like to just guess what one of them was? Uh, just guess. One band, 90s. Bad band from the 90s. Yeah. Just guess. Yeah. Limp Bizkit. That's one. If you knew I was going to have you guess, you could have had three out of four. Okay. So 2013 Rolling Stone Magazine readers poll, the four bands that were voted as worse than Nirvana, Limp Bizkit, Nickelback, Creed, Hanson, Nirvana. Wow. Of those five bands, one of them, there are still millions of people operating under a mass delusion that it's a good band. Yeah. Hanson. <laughs> I don't know. I read a quote that said that Nirvana was a, quote, flagship band of Generation Not X. Not true. Not true at all. You know how I was exposed to Nirvana? I was exposed to Nirvana watching MTV. And at the time, Smells Like Teen Spirit, which to me, I always associate Teen Spirit with deodorant. And my exposure to it was one of the MTV VJs, whatever, was walking around New York City and they were playing them the video and saying, what do you think he's saying? Oh, yeah. And they couldn't guess the words, so they were coming up with their own ridiculous yeah. words of what it sounded like he was saying because it was literally just mumbo-jumbo. Here's what I love about Nirvana. Everything that Nirvana is now and everything that it stands for now, this is what I like about it, is that we just talked about some magazine polls. When magazines do those greatest albums of all time lists, like Rolling Stone does right. to get people to buy print versions of their magazine that no one buys. That no one buys, yeah. Inevitably, there will be at least one Nirvana album ahead of some Beatles albums and Beatles fans lose their fucking minds. Unless it's like a crossover of Beatles fans who also like Nirvana, but most of them don't. Beatles fans get so fucking mad. I don't understand how a band that can make such bad music would even be considered on this list, let alone ranked above the, and it never crosses their mind, the possibility that the Beatles might also be a fucking terrible band. Right. That's my favorite thing. It's like, who's worse at that point for me like somebody saying i can't believe nirvana is above the beatles yeah i can't believe you think they're not it still sucks no matter what shittiest popularity contest of all time the people have spoken the polls are in no one's really listening to this anymore and if you are you are stuck in the fucking past right. if someone says that their favorite band is nirvana you have no credibility as far as rock music well as an me. adult especially i'm 38 if somebody my <laughs> age goes my favorite band is nirvana i think maybe they're emotionally unstable this is overly emotional music for overly emotional people. In other words, teenagers. Yeah. I found this blog written by a Nirvana fan, and uh, they were writing about how they hate seeing people 
say Nirvana sucks. And then this person wrote, when they hear criticisms of Nirvana, it makes them want to, quote, steal a car and ram it into a shopping mall or grab the next person to walk past and shove his face into a tree trunk. What the fuck? Fucking excuse me? What the fuck? This sounds like a violent person with emotional problems. And I would guess that most people who are still listening to Nirvana probably identify. Still living in some sort of weird headspace. I'm so serious right now. If you identify with that, someone talks shit on a band that you like and it makes you want to hit someone with your fucking car, please talk to someone. Seek some psychiatric help. Please. There's no reason to walk around in that headspace all day. Uh-uh. You don't have to do it, and this music is keeping you there. It is. That's fair. I think that's totally fair. It's time to grow up. I think there was a time in my life where I legitimately liked and listened to Nirvana on a regular basis, but I was also a teenager. Yeah, jacking off like 15 times a day. Yeah, as an adult, I don't relate to a majority of things that he was saying in these songs. I moved past that point in my life. I personally can't respect any adult who remembers how they were as a teenager And the first thing that happens isn't shame. You should be ashamed of who you were when you were a teenager because you were a bad person. You were a self-absorbed piece of shit. When you were a teenager, you were and I was. I know that for a fact because that's all, all <laughs> well, teenagers, teenagers are. are. Right, right, right. The whole world revolves around you, blah, 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 blah. And if you are just sitting around feeling old and you want to take a little nostalgic trip back into what it was like to be a teenager, fuck the Nirvana side and go for the Guns N' Roses side. Yeah. Fucking appetite for destruction. I would listen to, yes. Blowing off some steam. Yeah. That's great. You know what's not great? Wishing that you'd been aborted. <laughs> right. Listening to songs that you used to cry listening to while suffering through high school as a teenager, thinking that the world revolved around you. If it didn't, you were sad about it. Emotions are good. Of course. Such a necessary part of life. They are crucial to navigating time space as a human being. You have to have emotions. Experiencing emotions is not special. Everyone has emotions and being emotional is not qualification for being an artist, okay? You can fucking sit in your room and finger paint all you want to, I don't give a fuck. If you're putting out albums, ugh, here's my ugh, here's my caveman. Get in touch with your little fucking caveman inside of you. Like, fuck you. Uh, That really, I guess, would be the only reason people would listen to it. I think that people like this, like a lot of the bands that we talk about, he doesn't know how to play music. He's not good at everything. Dave Roll's a great drummer. Yes, sure. That's probably the most positive thing that I've said about a band so far. He should stay behind the drums because he's good at it. Kurt Cobain himself said, I have no concept of knowing how to be a musician at all whatsoever i couldn't even pass guitar 101 so if you don't listen to it because it's good music this is just you related to this emotionally because you are a basket case of self-absorbed teenage blah 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 and we're talking to the participation award generation right now well maybe he doesn't need to know how to play guitar to be good at it maybe he can say something that's valid he paved the way for that mentality people think if he can do it i can do it that's the thing everything else that i'm gonna say about how much of a garbage human being Kurt Cobain was, the fact that he was not 
a contributing member of society until he became a rock star, the people who are also not a contributing member of society will use that as an excuse. Well, I could be the next Kurt Cobain. No, you can't, because this shit's never going to fucking happen again. It's not. This grunge thing happened once. Are they the, the forefront of grunge? I mean, I think a lot of people would say no, that they were like the band that created grunge. Fuck, uh, no. That is a very common thing. Definitely not that. Uneducated people. All right. Um. First of all, no. I can sit you down with 10 records that came out before Nirvana was a band and we can just listen to those and I can show you where this sound came from. Whether or not it should have happened, that's an entirely different conversation. I would argue no. I would argue that Nirvana was at no point an essential sound. What they did did not need to exist. In a little bit, we'll talk about the music that they actually did influence, and it is across the board terrible. None of it is good. I do wonder, the surviving members of Nirvana, what do they think or what do we think Kurt would think about the fact that Nirvana has been turned into a t-shirt that you buy at Forever 21? Because that's what they have become. The Kardashians are biting your yes, logo exactly. and shit. I don't know for sure. I guess I don't know, but I assume that Kurt Cobain and that was never what Nirvana stood By for? By now he would be an entirely different animal. Pure conjecture because who fucking knows because he's not here and no one that's alive is him. I would venture to guess that if anyone cared who he was he would have to change a lot about himself to survive being in the public eye now. Because there's a lot about him. We'll get into that. Yeah. A friend of mine pointed this out about the Foo Fighters. The only reason he thinks people think the Foo Fighters are good is because there aren't as many rock bands as there were before. So when you're the only rock band or one of the only ones you're automatically thrust higher up the food chain way higher than you should be because there's not a long list of bands to compete with only game in town that reminds me of a song called hard on for war by the grunge band mud honey and that song and that band are so much better than nirvana why wouldn't you just listen to the pixies or why wouldn't you listen to mud honey if you're sad in a really extremely sincere way the Cure. Listen to The Cure. If you want to huff rubber cement in the woods and kill brain cells, listen to the Butthole Surfers. Oh, there you go, Butthole Surfers. If you're just fucking mad, Black Flag, bitches. There you go. Black Flag. Just fucking listen to good music. The Meat Puppets are so much better than Nirvana, and you've got to like the Meat Puppets because you've got to like everything Kurt Cobain does, right. and Kurt Cobain brought the Meat Puppets out on the Unplugged album to play with him. That's right, yeah. So, newsflash, you like the Meat Puppets, listen to them instead. By default. So we have new t-shirts, but I just realized, can we say, how how specifically can we describe the designs of our new shirts? Uh, we have shirts that roundaboutly might kind of make you think of a certain 90s grunge rock band uh, and or another famous rock band from the Across the Pond. It rhymes with <laughs> the Bowling Bones. The Bowling Bones. Yeah. Shmervana. <laughs> <laughs> Shmervana. Come on down to YFBSPod.com. Merch store. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a flag. Buy a pin. Buy a sticker. Listen. Be able to listen to the Melvins. For sure. Listen to some Smithereens songs. You can actually... It's a straight... I mean, Nirvana ripped them off like hard. I think grunge happened because people listened to one or two Neil Young albums instead of listening to 10 or 15 Neil Young albums. They just listened to that era when he was getting real deep into the distortion guitar sounds with Crazy Horse. They just didn't listen to the rest of it because if they listened to the rest of it, they would be in better bands. They stopped there. They didn't listen to enough Neil Young. They listened to a dangerously small amount of Neil Young and then grunge happened and I know that they were influenced by Neil Young because look at how they're fucking dressed 
They're all dressed in flannel shirts. Yeah. They look like lumberjacks. That's how Neil Young has been dressing since like the 70s. Since forever. What drugs was Neil Young doing? Beer, weed, cocaine. What drugs did they start doing in Seattle? Heroin. At no point in this podcast will you ever hear me say doing heroin is a good idea. It's a bad idea. It's fucking not. Just look at grunge. Sloppy. Just sloppy. And like, ugh. <laughs> right. That gross. I was going to write a song, but instead I decided to pass out in the middle of this sentence. Right. Yes. That's yes, heroin and that's yes, grunge. Yes. I remember one of the first times I actually went to Seattle, I saw people strung out for the first time in my life, and it was a really gross feeling. Uh, and if you apply that feeling to a music, it really is that. You just think of somebody just going, rah, rah, like with power chords on their yeah. guitar, which is legitimately what Nirvana was. Beginning to end. If you're doing dirty drugs, it sounds good. You like it. Okay, so here's another way to look at it. Post-punk is a genre that we talk about on this show a lot. There's a lot of pretty good stuff in post-punk, like Susie and the Banshees, The Cure. Right, right. These bands are good. And that's because punk, which post-punk came after for everyone who didn't graduate English class, had redeeming qualities. Punk as a genre was legitimate. That was a legitimate sound. Therefore, post-punk, which came after it, had a lot of good bands in it. Can we agree on this premise? Fair, yeah, I like it. There's a genre called post-grunge. What? I did not know that. No. There is. What is post-grunge? I've got a list. Is it Radiohead? Please send me Radiohead's on there. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. Puddle of Mud, Stained, Creed, Matchbox 20, Nickelback, Bush, Three Doors Down, Hoobastay. Do you get the point? As you're reading that list, my mouth is dragging That's post on the ground. Grunge. It sucks so bad that it gave birth to a whole nother level of even shittier bands. That's real. This is real. Like if it weren't for Nirvana and the grunge movement, Puddle of Mud would never have existed. Nickelback. For sure. For sure that Nickel shit would not exist. A hundred percent that would not exist. Thank you Nirvana and everyone else in the grunge world for helping us create a post-grunge. There's no good music influenced by grunge. Yeah. Find me a fucking band that's good that says their primary influence is grunge. Puddle of the Mud. Puddle of the Mud's great, bro. Honestly, it really even annoys me to associate Nirvana with some of the bands that we told people to listen to instead because yeah. it's just, it's not even the same fucking ballpark, No, no, folks. no, no, no. Nirvana was a failure to recreate what Kurt Cobain heard. So all that we're doing is trying to point you in the direction that this guy was not able to go. He wanted to go in that direction and that's why you should check it out to hear it and hear how much better it is. If you want more of the rock vibe, listen to the Pixies. If you want a little bit heavier vibe, listen to the Melvins. The Melvins will fuck your shit up. Listen to the Smithereens. I don't like that band. You should go back and listen to some of the Smithereens. You will hear how influenced by them uh, Nirvana was also. Okay, but their first single is a cover. If you've never listened to Shocking Blue, just get a Greatest Hits album and after that, get in to the albums that they actually made because Greatest Hits albums are pretty shitty. But this band is so good, so fucking good. And they had a song that wasn't even a hit for them called Love Buzz. It's a very, very good song. It just, it wasn't like a radio hit or anything. And that's Nirvana's first single. This flash in the pan hype for this music scene in Seattle happens. They get a record deal and they don't even have one of their own fucking songs to record. So do you remember, uh, let's say, Alien Ant Farm came out first with Smooth Criminal? Uh-huh. They broke on that song. Oh, yeah. And on a cover. Actually, another one that I could think of is uh, Limp Biscuit, Faith. Yeah. George Michael. Limp Biscuit's cover of Faith 
was so wildly different than George Michael's version, obviously, because you've got a very effeminate man prancing around singing versus frat bro from Florida screaming in a backwards ball cap. That's hilarious. There's novelty value. There's shtick to that. Same with Alien Ant Farm, I would argue. Sure. Nerdy white kids. And the guy singing better than you would expect him to be able to sing Michael Jackson, etc., and then let's go back to Nirvana covering Love Buzz. They're just playing that song badly. Right. It's <laughs> just a bad version of this song, but not attempting to be fun or interesting or in any way, shape, or form. Let's talk about Nevermind. Which comes out in 91? Awful album cover. Terrible album cover. Oh, yeah. But remember that kid came out now as an adult? Oh, this is me as an adult. Like, here's my little baby pecker. That was on the <laughs> cover of an album. Who thought that was a good idea? Looking at the font on this album cover infuriates me. Are you looking at it right now on your phone? No, 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 I'm looking. It makes me feel like I am in a head shop listening to a guy talk about an experience that he had on Salvia. Right. (laughs) It's just, it's so annoying. Yeah, yeah. And the symbolism of the baby swimming after a dollar on a fish hook is the most heavy handed thing I've ever seen. Oh my God, dude. By Christmas of 1991, it was selling 400,000 copies a week. Their original idea for the cover of Nevermind was a picture of a woman giving birth underwater. Oh, even better. I wish they had done that because if that was the cover of that album, Nirvana would not be the band that we're talking about today because that's disgusting. That's so (laughs) fucking disgusting. So was Baby Pecker, though. Not as bad as fucking gore and viscera pillowing out into a pool with a baby. Reminding you that that's how you came into this world. Reminding you of your mom's vagina. Uh, No way that sells 400,000 copies a week. That's so gross. And listen, when an album is selling that much, it's not because of the music that's on it. It's something else. If an album is selling that much and that fast, it is 100% never about the music that's on that album. It's a cultural thing at that point. And you're either in or you're out. It's not about what the music is. 50% or more of those purchases were from people who bought that and then took it home to figure out who the person they were going to be for the next five years was. Well, I, here's a question. Because the world has changed so much, now when records come out and they sell 100,000 copies, that's considered to be a huge huge success. Nirvana was selling 400,000 a week. Well, it's still when people bought CDs, so it's not a clean comparison. But if we had applied our experience with music now, would it happen? This happened because of grunge. Nirvana is the face of a fad, and Nirvana just happened to be the band that got pushed to the top. Right. It was going to be Mudhoney. It was going to be Soundgarden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to be Pearl Jam. Right, right, right. Any one of those bands, if Nirvana didn't happen, we would be having this conversation about one of those other bands. So Nevermind, huge success. My favorite review of Nevermind is from the Boston Globe. Most of Nevermind is packed with generic punk pop that had been done by countless acts. The review goes on to say, the band has little or nothing to say, settling for moronic ramblings by singer-lyricist Cobain. <laughs> oh my God. God. This is a guy not talking through the filter of deification. This is a guy just at the time, it's his job to say what he thinks about music because he's heard a lot of it. And that's what he says. We've got to get that guy on the podcast. I wonder if he still feels that way. Nirvana goes number one. This is a thing now. And what happens is all the labels scramble to get their version of that. But the problem, you can't look at that and be like, oh, I see what's good about this. Let's go find someone else who has what's good about this and sign them to our label and then we'll have a version of this band. 
as a result, spaghetti wall. See what sticks. Uh-huh. Just fucking throw it up there. Bands are getting signed left and right. Yeah. People who have no fucking business owning a car are getting fucking $50,000 checks. Right. And yeah, just yeah, 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 throwing yeah. it right into their arm. There's no telling how many deaths. What do you think the death count of grunge is? Yeah, it's got to be huge. I don't even know. In the thousands. Yeah. Easy. This genre killed so many people. All right. So 1993 in utero comes out. Steve Albini produced In Utero. Why isn't it good? Steve Albini produces your album. It should be fucking good. It should be awesome. This guy was in undeniably badass bands. Big Black, Shellac. It's excellent. It's original. It doesn't sound like a rehash of anything that came before it. You've never heard anything like Shellac before. If you have, it's because bands listened to Shellac and then copied it. Yeah, Steve Albini, who had a reputation as a principled and opinionated individual in the American indie music scene and rightfully uh, obtained that. When he got approached to do In Utero, his opinion of it was, quote, an unremarkable version of the Seattle sound, end quote. And he also talked about how all the business people that were around the band were to this day some of the most disgusting people that he's ever been around. He took the job because he felt bad for them. Right. He thought that this was a young, naive band who probably got into music for the right reasons and now they're in the middle of this thing that's bigger than them. It's out of their control. And he was like, well, fuck, at least I can help him try to make a good album. Several weeks after the completion of the recording session, stories ran in the Chicago Tribune and Newsweek that quoted sources claiming DGC considered the album quote-unquote unreleasable. As a result, fans began to believe that the band's creative vision might be compromised by their label. It is legitimately a cult of personality. The band was happy with the mixes that they got. It was only after getting out of the studio and being away from Albini that they too started thinking that they couldn't release it in that form. So it had to be remixed. They tried to get Albini to do it. He's like, fuck no, you, no. Right, exactly. I made it once. I'm not going back into that. I don't want to listen to that shit ever <laughs> I'm again. I'm not going back into that shit hole. Don't we talk about how bad of a songwriter Kurt Cobain was? Like his lyrics? Yeah. Very bad. I think most people don't really realize how bad they were. People think he's a good songwriter. Yeah. A song like Penny Royalty on In Utero. I assume that most Nirvana fans probably think that this is a good example of Kurt Cobain being a good songwriter. And I've got the lyrics right here. All right. I'm on my time with everyone. I have very bad posture. Right away, I'm like, fuck this guy. These are the musings of a child. This sounds like a little whiny ass working the cash register at Hot Topic. And if you ask him how much something in the store he works at costs, he's going to act like you're a pain in the ass for talking to him. And pretty soon into Penny Royalty, he does my favorite thing that bad songwriters do, which is reference an entire universe created by a much bigger and better artist, which is the line, give me a Leonard Cohen afterworld so I can sigh eternally. That's like... If I had the time or talent or energy, I would spend it building a world for you to enter into in this song. But I'm just going to reference Leonard Cohen because he fucking spent decades making amazing music, creating this universe that that only exists in Leonard Cohen's discography. And then Kurt Cobain gets to just come along and be like, "Uh, yeah, some shit about Leonard Cohen here. Everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. I'm so tired I can't sleep. I'm a liar and a thief. Okay, the so tired can't sleep thing is the definition of cliche in songwriting. You write the first part of a line and then you contradict it with the second part. Uh Set up, contradict. Set up, contradict. It is so fucking basic. I'm so sick of hearing it in a song. I never need to hear it again. 
uh, I'm a liar and a thief. Again, why the fuck am I supposed to care about this character in this song if he hates everyone, he's got bad posture, he's a liar and a thief? Fuck this guy. When you graduate high school and six of your friends move into an apartment made for two people and like one of them sleeps on the couch and doesn't pay rent and you literally don't leave money laying around, that's fucking Kurt Cobain. <laughs> that's so fucking... Somebody just smashed their car into a telephone pole. It's like punching the radio listening to this right now. And then he rhymes penny royalty with the word royalty. Yeah. Not allowed. This is the perfect quote to touch on this exact thing, which you probably may have this all too, but Cobain usually wrote lyrics for songs minutes before recording them. Yeah, he didn't give a this fuck. Is, he does not care. Cobain said, when I write a song, the lyrics are the least important subject. I can go through two or three different subjects in a song and the title can mean absolutely nothing at all. There you go. Summed up by the man himself who wrote these songs. He literally oh. <laughs> is the guy that wrote them. This is not somebody else's words. These are his. It's pretty telling. He's basically saying, I wrote them right before we decided to record them. And oh, by the way, there really is no rhyme or reason to anything that I'm saying at all. There's another quote from Dave Grohl. People ask him, what do you think Kurt meant when he wrote this or when he wrote that? Grohl said something like, you know, it's really hard for me to put a deep meaning on these things. When I watched Kurt scribble them out two minutes before he yelled them into a microphone yeah if you're looking for something there it's fucking not there Cobain told spin in 1993 that he quote didn't give a flying fuck end quote what the lyrics on bleach were about figuring quote let's just scream some negative lyrics and as long as they're not sexist and don't get too embarrassing it'll be okay right do you think rape me could have i think it was just be controversial yes like, th th what's the message of that song yeah by the time i listened to that i was a little bit older still probably a teenager i guess but I remember thinking at the time, this song seemed like it was just trying to get under people's skin. I agree. I agree with that for sure. There's nothing there besides the words rape me. Like he just wants to say the words rape me because you have to have a response to that. Right. If I say rape me to you, you've got to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. You've got to be like, whoa, man, I can't believe you fucking said that. Yeah. You know, it's one or the other. Just to get a rise, I guess, out of people. I think when we get into who Kurt Cobain was as a person, I think we'll really kind of shed some light on where this stuff was coming from. I do not think it was from a socially conscious place. So here's where we could wrap this up a little bit with as far as songwriting goes. A, power chords on his guitar, which was sloppy at best. B, lyrically, I believe my son, who at the time of recording this is- <laughs> Does not talk. Is one. Yeah, he can't actually say full <laughs> words. Arguably, we could turn his- ramblings maybe when he's two and he's actually saying words like next month yeah 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 give him a couple months let him actually say a couple words we'll say it was a lost nirvana song spin magazine did a whole tribute issue to nirvana and i found a quote from david yao the singer of jesus lizard again a fucking phenomenal original band and you should listen to them the jesus lizard singer david yao was asked to say something good about nirvana and he talked about how much he likes to play scrabble and how one time he was able to play the word nirvana on a triple word score space god damn that's hardcore dude they fucking printed that 
when somebody is asked what they think about a band, if they really don't like something, they don't necessarily want to say, oh, I think that's shit, especially when asked about it in a certain setting. Yeah, unless you're a Gallagher brother. Right. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they will be honest, but very rarely. One of the most common answers is, I like them. They're a really great person. I guess people may not know that. And that's you not saying their music is terrible. So if someone asks you, what do you think about Nirvana? And your response is, yeah. I got really stoked because I played Nirvana in a game of Scrabble yeah. once. That's basically saying, I don't think about Nirvana. I think they suck. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but my experience is exactly that. I, I think that's just reality. Kurt was a bully in high school. I didn't know that. He wasn't bullied in high school. He was, was he a cool? bully. No, he wasn't cool. He was a fucking dick. He was an asshole. He loved the Beatles, of course. Of fucking course, this Ugh, guy God loved damn. the most overrated band of all time. Please. But he pretty quickly seems to have become the kind of person who needs to feel like not everyone has heard of his favorite bands. The first concert that he actually went to was Sammy Hagar, but he tells everyone that the first concert that he went to was the Melvin. He lies. Obsessed with being interesting, unique. Yeah, different. You haven't heard of my favorite band. But Kurt found it necessary to lie about something so trivial. This is a guy who wrote in his journals that he's not gay, but he wished he was just to piss off homophobes. Right. Hey, buddy, you don't have to be gay to piss off homophobes. Vote. Yeah. Vote. You could just support people. Register to vote and support equal rights. You don't have to be something to support it. Just to piss off homophobes. That's such a shitty motive for wanting to support a decent cause. Right. And he just wouldn't get a fucking job no matter what. He would not get a job. His mom told him that he had to get a job or she'd kick him out and he just doesn't get a job and then gets kicked out and then probably thinks that his mom is an asshole for cutting the umbilical cord. Yo, do me a favor real quick if you're listening to this podcast. Which and, uh, you are. You're obviously <laughs> listening to this podcast. Oh, you think they're listening to the podcast right now? They're still listening. <laughs> yeah, I... Yes, they're listening, yeah. We really need you to subscribe. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Definitely make sure you're subscribed. We've got merch now. What, shirts and pins and stickers and stuff? Yeah, on the website. Go to our website, yfbspod.com. Just do it. Just do it. That would be a good slogan for Man, something. we should make a shirt. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Dude, get a fucking job. I think one of the songs on Nevermind is about the same thing. I think one of the songs on Nevermind is about his girlfriend getting mad at him because he wouldn't go get a job. Get a fucking job, you weirdo. It's not that fucking hard, dude. Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're in Nashville. We're probably surrounded by more musicians working a normal-ass job than anyone else. We're actually recording this in the Five Points intersection of East Nashville. I promise you I could throw a rock from where I'm sitting. Not exaggerating. And hit musicians with fucking record deals. Musicians that you're listening to this and you like their bands. Yeah. I could hit one of them with a fucking rock. They're tending bar right now across the street from me. Paying their bills, do what you gotta do. It's part of the fucking deal. Yeah, you're not even exaggerating. That's the crazy part. You're, that's genuinely true. When Kurt Cobain was dating Toby Vale of Bikini Kill, he got her record company's logo tattooed on his arm to impress her. This is such a tryhard. After meeting Vale, Cobain vomited as he was so completely overwhelmed with anxiety. Do you know what that is? <laughs> no. That's natural selection. Those jeans weren't meant to stay in the pool. If you see a girl and you fucking throw up, yeah. No offense to Francis being Cobain. Also, I'm sorry about your mom. That sucks that she's your mom. Okay, we could talk about Courtney a whole nother episode. Okay, Kurt Cobain acts like he's this super idealistic guy. That quote that you read earlier about just slap together some lyrics and as long as they're not sexist and as long as it's not too embarrassing, who cares? Right. You might read that in the magazine and think this guy cares about equality, right? 
He splits the songwriting royalties equally with everyone in the band until Nevermind blows up. At which point, he requires a new agreement from Dave <laughs> and Chris, giving Kurt 75% of the royalties, and that agreement is retroactive for money Nevermind already made under the original agreement. So, you join this band, and it's all equal. It's like, yeah, this guy writes all the songs, but we're a real we're band. A band. Right. We're making a sound together, right. so I'm going to cut you in on this. Oh, shit. I didn't know we were going to make a lot of money. Never mind. That's why the album's called Never Mind, is because fuck the other guys in the band. Yeah. Never mind, the money's mine. Kurt's the baby on the album cover. Is he? No. Oh, yeah. You're saying yeah, I got it. <laughs> My brain totally shut off for a second. He said that. I was like, wait, what? Really? By the way, we haven't mentioned this. Mark is dealing with an allergy situation yes, today. My brain, my allergy medicine is fucking me up. Well, we'll probably end up just cutting that out, but if we don't, that's hilarious. Here's the thing that I will say in Kurt's defense it's not fair. It's not fair. If we decide we want to pick him apart, we can do that. And one of the reasons we can do that is because he was turned into a Christ figure when he killed himself. And they fucking published his journals. Right. I don't know if you've ever kept journals. I've kept journals. Yeah, sure. For years at a time. If those got published, probably no one would ever talk to me again. Yeah. That's not what that's for. It's a brain dump. You're supposed to just fucking dump everything, get it on the paper, and now you don't have to walk around with it. One of it. the worst things in my opinion, to do to somebody. Yeah. He's gone. And to go back, that's fucked up. No one owes that no. to anyone. If you're a fan of this band, you shouldn't read it. You should avoid that. Just like you should avoid the fucking B-side stuff. We're hearing shit that was never meant to be heard, you know, as is. Why do you want to hear that? Why do you want to read that? One thing that bothers me about people that love Nirvana is it is a cult-ish type band. Yeah. In that no matter what, everything Kurt did or Nirvana did is amazing. Yeah, you gotta love it. They put out a record, which is like a book of B-sides and just literally found recordings like him that they found. It's about that Nirvana box set or something yes, else. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. And I listened to it. Oh, yeah, maybe this will give me some more. There's really genuinely bad things in there because it was never meant to be released. You know, if somebody's recording some shit on their cassette tape, it's not meant to be heard. That's what happens when someone gets deified. They fucking dig those bones up, string them up on puppeteer apparatus yes. and just dance that shit around for eternity. And that's all it is. Oh my God, this is the most amazing thing. And I'm it's like, not. good God, it's not completely unrelated but as a fan of prince's music now that he's dead i'm so concerned about what's going to come out of that vault he fucking locked that shit in there for a reason right at the very least it's not finished at the worst it's an oddity i think a lot of that applies to what's come out i mean i remember that single uh you know you're right that's not a song there's nothing there there's not a melody it's shit it's pure shit and people just fucking dove under it yes shove the cock of that song down my throat yes i cannot get enough of it there's been an absence in my throat and i just want it in me but they publish his journals it's not fair to him but it's there i'm gonna use it what the journals show is a guy who is completely obsessed with fame and with music media it's pretty disturbing i think that he was obsessed with music magazines if you read his answers to interview questions, you get the impression that he thinks he's really doing something. You get the feeling that he thinks it fucking matters. He thinks an interview matters. Right. And then that's how he started the feud with Axl Rose. Yeah. Was in a fucking interview. What did he say exactly? Do you have the exact? I got the whole story right here. And it's fucked up because Axl Rose is a cunt. Yeah. And he really comes out looking like the good guy in this one. Which is really saying something. So rare that Axl Rose looks like the good guy. I remember when all 
all this happened. At the time, I think I was a fan of both bands. And I do remember thinking asshole Axl Rose looks like the smaller asshole. Yeah. Which is so difficult to do. I mean, come on. That is some insurmountable pile of asshole. And yet Kurt Cobain beats him. He's clearly the bigger asshole here. So it looks like Axl Rose was a fan of Nirvana. That's how this starts. Right. With Axl Rose liking Nirvana's music, which you could argue is so selfless of him because people always give Nirvana credit for killing hair metal. Crushes that whole genre. Which is fucking Guns N' Roses. So Nirvana comes along and essentially cuts Axl Rose's paycheck in half. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Axl Rose likes Nirvana. He wore a Nirvana hat in the music video for Don't Cry. If you go watch the Guns N' Roses music video for their song Don't Cry, Axl Rose is wearing a Nirvana hat in that video. Kurt trashes Guns N' Roses in an interview for being a band that has, quote, absolutely nothing to say, end quote, after everything that you and I say, have just gone over. After after the 20 minutes we've spent discussing About how Kurt's, little he cares about lyrics. Right, yeah. Criticizing another band to a journalist for the other band not having anything to say implies that Kurt thinks he does have something to say and that he's saying it in this interview because he, we know that he doesn't care about saying it in his songs. It looks like to me he's got to think that he's saying it right now right. in this interview, right? So he's built the media up into this idea in his head. I really think he might have been obsessed with the media. Okay, but even after Kurt says a couple shitty things like that in interviews, Axl Rose still likes Nirvana. He wants to bring Nirvana on a huge tour with them. Guess which tour? Uh Uh-uh. The tour where Metallica oh, yeah, yeah, ended yeah. up okay. on the tour. It was that fucking tour. Which in and of itself. A legendary tour. This is the tour where Axel is constantly showing up late to the concerts. Riots. And the crowds are getting fucking Insane pissed off. Shit. This is the tour where on one show, James steps into the pyro. Right, yeah, he and fucking burned. burns himself. Yeah, yeah. Axel Rose wanted Nirvana on that tour. And they just won't do the tour. Kurt just won't do it. So Axel finally calls Kurt and Courtney junkies in an interview. And fucking spoiler alert, they were junkies. Not a lie. I was going to say, not exaggerating at all. Just not a lie. Uh -uh. And then that's when shit gets silly. It starts with Axel liking this band. He's a super important and powerful figure in music. And he wants to take this band under his wing. And the band is like, no, on top of no, Fuck you, you know, several times. Mm-hmm. And Axel's finally like, ah, fuck them, they're junkies. That's his assessment of the situation. And then we're at the MTV Music Awards. Which at the time, by the way, was a big deal. It was crazy to watch it. One of them's being interviewed because someone from the other band walks by and Courtney Love's like yelling bullshit at someone. Yep, yep. Uh, I think Axel tells Kurt to shut his bitch up about Courtney and Kurt looks at her and goes shut up bitch like to point out how sexist Axel (laughs) was being which is that's fair Fair. but then the rumor is that uh, Kurt knew that they were going to play I can't remember if it was November Rain I think it was probably November Rain Kurt knew that Guns N' Roses was going to play that and that Axel was going to play piano when he saw this piano backstage and I can't remember what he's supposed to have done you know it ranges from this to that some people say he spit on the piano keys some people say he pissed on them some people say he jacked off on them it's a whole spectrum Elton John is Guns N' Roses' surprise guest. And he plays piano. And it was that piano. Oh, God. There were two pianos. Wow. That shit just got out of control. All because Guns N' Roses wanted to take Nirvana on tour. Yeah. 
that's fucking, the ultimate. What, a, what an interesting tour that would have been. Okay, we're not having this conversation if Kurt Cobain doesn't commit suicide. Yeah. Can we agree on that? 100%. There's just no way. You know, I think it's interesting to speculate about what would have happened. It really would have been interesting to see how much more terrible this band could have gotten. Yeah. And instead, and listen, if you're in a band and you think that setting yourself up with this kind of image, this kind of persona will help you, I can't tell you that you're wrong, but it's fucking not worth it. Right. You don't need to live that way. I promise you that right now, just being healthy is so much more fashionable than it was in the 90s. Yeah. Like in the 90s, everyone was supposed to be damaged. Like you were supposed to be damaged goods and that's what made you cool. Yeah. We're past that. It's just more interesting to be a person that overcomes those things, not someone who lives in those things anymore or is owned by those things anymore. Hence why I don't relate personally to Nirvana's music anymore like I did when I was a angry, self-absorbed teenager. Is that? I can see how it's attractive. I can see how there's a death cult obsession there because, okay, so look at it this way. All these people who died young, all these rock stars, do you think it's a coincidence that everyone thinks that they're the best ones to do the thing that they did? Right. Like yeah. Janis Joplin was the best singer. Jim Morrison was the best songwriter. Jimi Hendrix, I mean, legit, Jimi Hendrix was the best guitar player. I'm not arguing against yeah. that. But like, okay, Sid Vicious, who the fuck cares about the Sex Pistols music? You right. know, if you do, well, I don't know what to say to you. Uh, <laughs> I can't help you, probably. <laughs> but it's clearly not about that. It's right. about the murder, death, suicide thing. That's what it's about. And we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Get help. If you have problems, do get help. If you create art, do get help. If you consume art, which we all do, if you're a fan, I got a serious question for you. If someone kills themselves, why would you want their thought process to come out of their head and come into your head through the medium of their art. Yeah. Are you not concerned that there may be something in there that you inside don't you. need inside of you? Sure. I think that's a legitimate concern. Don't fuck around. If I find out that an artist kills themselves tomorrow, the last thing I'm going to do is be like, oh, I wonder what their music sounded like. Let me go listen to it. Yeah. If they write a novel, don't fucking read it. Just don't. If you listen to this because it makes you feel better, cool. But if you're just like wallowing in misery. Yeah, don't do that. It's enabling you. Yeah. It's allowing you to indulge in your weakest emotions. Yeah. Your weakest qualities. Just stop. Don't put it in your head. Why would you? I don't know, but this is going to make me go back and think about everything I listened to. Think about it as a quarantine situation. Protect yeah, yourself yeah, from yeah. it. I don't mean that on a human interaction level. As a human being, if someone's suicidal, the last thing you should do is quarantine them. Sure. They need to be surrounded by uh, love and affection. But if someone gets arrested for punching children in the head, are you going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go listen? Yeah, suicide is for some reason romanticized so differently. It does not make them better. That being said, if Nirvana is your favorite band your favorite band sucks thank you for listening to your favorite band sucks i want to go on record right now saying that anyone who isn't subscribed to this podcast you can go fuck yourself unless you subscribe right now in which case you can unfuck yourself Okay, I said some stuff that's gonna be OMG so controversial in this episode, so let's pretend like you haven't already rage tweeted at the podcast, which by the way is at YFBSPod. I'm pretty sure Mark agreed with most of what I said, but his head wasn't acting right this time around, so I'll take the heat. And I know you already think I'm an asshole anyway, but do me a favor and Google, is depression contagious? 
I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it totally is. Another fun thing to search might be, why do people listen to sad music when they are sad? You'll want to go ahead and skip all the bullshit pop psychology interpretations on BuzzFeed or whatever. They're all based on the same studies. Go straight to those studies. Just pick two or three and do some reading. They'll all pretty much give you the same reasons, which are that people listen to sad music when they're sad because they feel like they can relate to it and or they feel like the sad music is a distraction from their problems and or because the sad music makes them think about a memory related to why they are sad. All right, identifying with the emotion in the sad music. Fine, we all do it, but some of us do it way too much. Almost like we're addicted to being sad. Almost like the sad music is feeding that addiction. Almost like a raging alcoholic who prefers hanging out with other raging alcoholics because, according to them, it's always time for another drink. Listening to sad music as a distraction from your problems. Okay, sure, sometimes. Do that all the time, though, and it's a little thing we call avoidance. And it looks like most of the people who listen to sad music to bring up memories of the person or thing that's making them sad, prepare for a real shocker here, usually just end up feeling worse than before they started. So yeah, make sure to ignore all of that stuff when you send your rage tweets to at YFBSpod on Twitter. Also, if any of that stuff hits too close to home, Mark and I were very serious about getting help. It's out there. Googling help for depression is just as easy as finding a podcast to listen to. Take the first step, then take the second step. You'll get there. One little thing I thought was funny that I forgot to mention is when Rolling Stone magazine printed those poll results wherein their readers named Nirvana as one of the five worst bands of the 90s, Rolling Stone ran that with what essentially amounts to an apology for the results, calling everyone who voted for Nirvana wrong. You know, because they're the ones who get to decide. Anyway, maybe I'm biased, but I think we've had a few really great episodes in a row here. I'm half tempted to serve up a real shitty episode next week just to make sure you appreciate the good ones, but we can't do that. No, no, no. Because why would we give you a shitty episode of the podcast when instead we can serve the finest of Italian cuisine? Next week on your favorite